0: There's a saying that goes like this, ideas are cheap, implementation is costly. Here's Pastor Trent Griffin.
1: Thomas Edison said, vision without execution is just hallucination. The easiest thing I will do all week is cast the vision for this church to get on mission with God. The hardest thing I will do all week is execute the vision to get this church on mission with God. It is so much easier to talk
0: about than it is to live out. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. You heard Trent Griffith quote Thomas Edison there talking about vision without execution. So I did a quick search for quotes about vision and the second one on the list is something Helen Keller said. Now keep in mind, Helen Keller lost her eyesight as a baby. She said this, the most pathetic person in the world is someone who has sight but no vision. So then we have to ask, what kind of vision is best? And for that, we turn to God's word. Here's Pastor Trent speaking from Acts chapter 16 and saying that we need to see with missional eyes.
1: Missional eyes see the value of partnership. Here's the second thing. Missional eyes stay open to their context. Missional eyes stay open to the context. Now, there's a disturbing part of the passage that I have yet to read. I'm just warning you, here it comes. Verse three, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and circumcised him. That's disturbing. It's like, really? You have to do that to be missional? If I, if I go to Liberia, you're going like, to perform surgery on me here? This is, this is troubling. Well, this is a little troubling. It was troubling for Timothy. Why did he do that? Because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. So here's the deal with Timothy. Timothy was biracial. Timothy had a Jewish mother and a Greek father. So can you imagine some of the theological things that he heard in his home? His mom and dad would fight over religion. I mean, um, here you have Jewish mother... Um, We find out um, in another place in the Bible, his his mother's name was Eunice. His grandmother's name was Lois. They were believers. And if you put the timeline together, Lois was probably a contemporary of Jesus, his grandmother. And so he had heard the, the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all those epic stories that we studied. And he'd heard about Jesus from his mom, who was a Jew. And yet his dad was a polytheist, worshiping more than one god, pagan in nature, had his own culture and probably things that he loved that were completely opposite of what his mom believed and what her convictions were. And he lived in this context. He lived in this cultural context. He was multi-ethnic. Paul looks at this guy and says, that's an asset. He's ambidextrous. (laughs) He can walk into a Greek culture and he can relate to those Greeks because he's a Greek, kind of. And he can walk into a Jewish culture, all those religious over there with all their rules and regulations and ceremonies, and he can kind of speak that language too. Do you understand? The more multicultural, the more multi-ethnic you are, the better the advantage you have over white dude that's just walking, I can only kind of, I got to work to gain trust from people that don't look like me, right? But Timothy could gain trust in every area except there was this one roadblock that Paul identified, he hadn't been circumcised. Why is that a big deal? Because that was, the, that was the external identifiable mark of a real Jew. It was external, and yet Paul wrote later that really God's intended purpose for circumcision was to be to circumcise the heart. It was this heart issue. It was a spiritual issue. And so he he explained all that. But here, here's the other thing that's really weird, is um, in Acts chapter 15 the previous chapter the whole church came together the elders and the leaders came together to decide whether or not a Greek a Gentile had to be circumcised in order to be a member of the church this was a this was a debate back then because Jesus was Jewish it was kind of came through the Jewish people here and now if there were Gentiles coming into the The church, should they have this external identifiable mark of the Hebrew people? Well, thank God they said no. Okay? So they said no, that's all external, and God had a a spiritual purpose for all of that, but that's all doing away. There is an external sign. It's not circumcision. It's baptism, So we have a new thing. And so God gave us two new ceremonies, no longer circumcision, but now it's the Lord's Supper, which we just celebrated, and secondly, baptism, which we celebrate often around here. And because God knows the human heart loves to turn ceremonial religion into things that are off base, He only gave us two very simple things. So don't mess it up. But Paul looks at Timothy and says, look, in order for you to be the most effective missionary." You should get circumcised. Now, he could have said, "Mm -mm." Church said, I don't have to. And Paul would have said, that's right. You stay right here. I'm going on the missionary journey because I'm going to the Jews. And he would have limited his effectiveness if he had not been willing to surrender his right to be right. Are you willing to give up something? To leave something you love? to experience physical pain in order to reach someone with the gospel, if all you had to do was to remove a roadblock, listen, the only thing that should offend a non-believer is the gospel. If it's your attitude or your quote-unquote freedoms in Christ, you ought to cut that off so that the only thing they're offended by Is the gospel. Paul knew that. And he says, Timothy, you need to be circumcised in order to be the most effective. You need to contextualize the gospel. The same is true for us. We need to understand the culture and the language and what people are into in our culture. Now, listen, we don't live in Liberia. We live in northern Indiana and it's midwestern and we have this this large university it's golden dome and a lot of people like that and if they don't like that it's usually the team up north and um and uh, that was offensive to those of you that like michiganism it's, 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 it's sorry i didn't mean it to be offensive okay but the michigan team or or whatever people have different loyalties around here people like corn and harvest time and and uh, all these different things so in order to speak their language. We need to learn the language. If we were sending a missionary out of our church and sending him to someplace like Korea, wouldn't you expect the guy to learn the language? The same is true for us. There are certain ways and patterns culturally that people have. We need to know the music and the news. We need to know um, the the loyalties that people have, even political positions of different people. Now, a lot of people will take this concept of contextualizing the gospel and they'll take it to an extreme and they will begin to compromise the gospel. No, you have to be faithful to the text of the scripture and understand the context in which the text is to be delivered. And if you go too far, somebody's like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be a missionary. I'm going to go binge watch like everything on Netflix all week long. No, that's called worldliness, okay? That, you don't need to be infected with the worldliness. You just need to be aware of how to communicate the gospel in the context to which you are called. Here's the third thing. Missional eyes look for open doors, Verse 4 says, as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. That's hilarious because the decision that they had made was you don't have to be circumcised. So that's the message Timothy was delivering. Now as a freshly circumcised man. Verse 5, so the churches were strengthened. All in favor of churches being strengthened. Absolutely. The churches were strengthened because they had missionalized, And secondly, they increased in numbers daily. Don't ever be ashamed to say, man, our church is growing in numbers. Oh, you're all about numbers. Yeah, we're all about decreasing the numbers of pagan people in our community. That's what we're all about. Verse 6 says, and they went through the region of Phrygia. Don't you think that'd be a good name for Michiana in February? Phrygia. (laughs) He went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. What? I thought the Holy Spirit was like pro-missions. And yet they tried to get to Asia, and the Holy Spirit closed the door. That must have been confusing to them. Timothy's thinking, man, I went to a lot of trouble. And now God's not letting me go where I want to go. Well, I think I'll just quit and go home. Or let's try another door. Verse 7. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Strike two. It's like door one, closed. Door two, closed. What would you have done at that point? Go home? No, they had to look and listen for the leading of God to the door he was sending them through. Um, Monday and Tuesday, um, I went to Dallas for our kind of initial meetings of the Great Commission Collective, which I can't wait to tell you more about the details of that. But we got back late into the Midway Airport in Chicago on Tuesday night, 10.30 10:30 the plane landed. Okay, so then you got like the two and a half hour drive back over here, home. And so we're driving home, trying to stay awake, and we come to the point where you have to kind of get off of the toll road, and we were actually going to get back on 94 to drop off a friend at his house, and and the, the, they're doing construction. Is that news to anybody? They're doing construction on the toll road. In case anybody didn't know that, they're doing construction on the toll road. And so there were detours and closed exits, and whoever the smart construction worker was that closed. The exit forgot to adjust the detour sign. So he they put the detour sign just to another closed exit. which well, since you back going the other way back to Chicago on the tow road. We went through that thing four times. It was an endless loop. I was following the directions. Detour. Closed, I was so frustrated at two in the morning trying to get home. Now listen, there are gonna be times. We're gonna go real hard, and you're in praise, like God. I really believe you're going. You're, you're sending me here, and I'm gonna go real hard. So it's, it's like you, you can't go that way. Just look for another open door. Listen, there are endless possibilities for you to be on mission with God, especially considering the fact there are 7.5 billion people in the world and 3.15 billion of them are unreached by the gospel. In other words, they don't have access to the simple gospel that you've heard here today, or they possibly have never even heard the name of Jesus. And if someone doesn't get to them, they will live, they will die without ever hearing the gospel. Look for the open doors. 42% of the world's population is unreached by the gospel. How about here in America? You say, well, it's a Christian country. Well, maybe it used to be. In the year 1900, there were 28 churches for every 10,000 Americans. In the year 1950, there were 17 churches for every 10,000 Americans. In the year 2000, there were 12 churches for every 10,000 Americans. And the latest statistics in 2011, there were 11 churches for every 10,000 Americans. So lest you think that church planting is not necessary, It's the very thing that we need to be a part of. Consider the different regions in the country. In the South, where I grew up, there was a church on every corner. One church for every 750 people. But in Indiana, there's one church for every 1,500 to 1,800 people. That's why I'm in Indiana. I didn't choose Indiana. I was sent to Indiana. Indiana. Some of you need to be sent to places like New Jersey and New York, where there's one church for every six to seven thousand people. Or how about the Northeast Corridor and Utah? Less than 2% of the people in those regions claim to be born again. Listen, you don't have to leave America to be a missionary. As a matter of fact, the condition in America is actually attracting other nations. To send missionaries to America. 4,000 churches in America close their doors each year. 80% of churches are plateaued or are declining. 93% of Americans are non evangelical. America's evangelical population loses 2.6 million people each decade. What's an evangelical? That's our team. That those are people that define the gospel the way that we did. God is holy. Man is not. Christ is a savior. You must repent and believe. And that's why you don't have traffic jams on Sunday morning. Because the world needs the church to get busy sharing and delivering the gospel. Here's the last thing. Missionalize, see where to help. Look at verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Have you ever had this happen to you? Uh, Not typical. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there. Creepy. (laughs) Urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us come over and help us come closer to where we live. Bring what you have to where we are to meet the need come over. How would you have responded? Verse 10. And when Paul had seen the vision, Immediately, we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You get it? Immediately. They weren't in a missions conference. They weren't defining mission, missions, missionary, mission all. They just went and delivered the gospel. Because they saw a place that needed help. Thomas Edison said, Vision without execution is just hallucination. The easiest thing I will do all week is cast the vision for this church to get on mission with God. The hardest thing I will do all week is execute the vision to get this church on mission with God. It is so much easier to talk about than it is to live out. Do you get it? Is God calling you like he called Paul? Come over and help us. Do you get it? God called a specific sender, sends a specific people for a specific purpose, To preach, not hand out water bottles, not do a food pantry, not a clothes closet, but to preach a specific message, the gospel. Not prosperity, not Jesus would be a great life coach, not financial principles. To preach a specific message to them, a specific people, in a specific place. Where does God want you on mission? When, when I was like 12, I, I went out to mow the yard, my, my parents' front yard in Oklahoma, big, thick Bermuda grass. It had not been mowed in a long time. I remember just, ugh, just pushing this, the push mower. Remember those? Push mower. And, uh, and it's was 100 degrees, you know, in Oklahoma. And there's something about just the roar of the, the mower... That just kind of isolates you with your own thoughts. Now, Now, I've told you this before. I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't know of a church. I didn't know a preacher or a pastor. I don't even know if I knew a Christian at that point. But I have a very vivid memory of sensing. I wouldn't even say I heard anything. I didn't get a vision. But I sensed this. You are going to pastor a church that has big impact. I didn't didn't know a pastor, didn't know a church. I thought that was the most ridiculous thing i ever heard. I'm 12, a very unimpressive 12-year-old that was not having impact on anything, not even the yard that day, okay? And so I'm just like, it's almost hilarious and you kind of stick it out of your mind, it kind of comes back, you stick it out of your mind, it comes back, it comes back. I didn't sense I was being called to anything. I didn't sense I needed to do anything. I wish I could have told you, I immediately fell on the ground and worshiped Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, repented of all of my sin, and I've never been the same since. Not what happened. I just kind of had that thought. And I don't know, every 10 years or so since that time, I would remember that. And even like after I met the Lord, I met the Lord when I was 15 years old And I did plug into a church. And I remember when I was 16, our youth group went to Hoisington, Kansas um, on a mission trip. We taught vacation Bible school to little kids, knocked on doors, did religious surveys. Things like, if you died today, would you go to heaven? Just subtle, (laughs) casual questions like that. (laughs) um, So that was kind of my introduction to missional work, you know? And I remember being struck with a thought in Hoisington, Kansas, there's there's like one church in this whole town. Somebody ought to plant some churches around here. Not knowing that would kind of be a part of my resume one day. I remember when I was 19, I was in college and I was working at a funeral home. That's a story in itself, I know. But um, I had to work Every fourth Sunday and every second Sunday, I was on call because people die every day. And I remember I couldn't really commit to like being a Sunday school teacher. And I remember my youth pastor came to me and he said, I've got a group of seventh grade boys. I got like eight seventh grade boys and they need a Sunday school teacher. Would you be their Sunday school, te- Sunday school teacher? And I, f- I sensed God saying, there's your mission field. So I quit my job. And I remember my boss, he got so mad at me. He's like, what are you talking about? You're going to quit because you're going to teach a Sunday school class? That's crazy. And he looked at me and said, you need to understand, God's not going to write you a check. And what he meant was, you're going to have to get a real job someday. You're going to have to make a living for yourself. And it's interesting, since that time, every check I've ever deposited has been in some way related to ministry. (laughs) So so I worked with those seventh graders. I I graduated from college. I went to Mid-America Seminary in Memphis. Got degree in ministry, became a youth pastor in Arkansas, and then jumped on one of those life action teams, and we traveled around and now I'm in my 30s. And again, I'm like, I'm I'm in life action. I'm not a pastor. And every now and then I think about it, i was like, yeah, that was way off. I don't know what I was thinking there. And then I kind of remembered this last night. And then I thought of you, and I thought about everything I was going to be telling you today. I I, kind of looked back and I realized you know what I I think I'm I think I'm a pastor of a church that's making big impact but there's more work to do and if you're not on mission in gospel community in gospel partnership would you jump on the team God has called a specific people for a specific purpose to deliver a specific message to a specific people in a specific place who are those people After I met the Lord, one of the very first things I had to do in obedience to the Lord is I had to throw away my record collection. Okay, So that was just something the Lord asked me to do. And so I didn't have any music. There were no Christian radio stations in my town. And I I, I said, you know, I think I can commit to buying one Christian cassette every month. So I started to build my collection. You know, you get your basic Amy Grant, you know, Larnell Harris, David Meese. Those, those guys and then I, I bought this cassette actually I saw a cassette it's like if you can't afford this we'll give it to you I'm like well it must be really bad if they're willing to give it away so I got that one it was, it was by a guy named Keith Green and um, so I put that in that rocked my world um, I found out later Keith Green died in a plane crash on July the 28th 1982 30 days before I came to know the Lord. And um, there was a particular song on that cassette that was part of my Macedonian call. There's never been a song written like this since. It goes like this Do you see, do you see all the people sinking down? Don't you care? Don't you care? Are you gonna let them drown? How can you be so numb, not to care if they come? You close your eyes and pretend the job's done. Oh, bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. I know it's it's all I ever hear, but no one aches. No one hurts. No one even sheds one tear, but he cries. He weeps, he bleeds, and he cares for your needs. You just lay back and keep soaking it in. Open up. Open up and give yourself away. You see the need. You hear the cries. So how can you delay? God God's is calling. And you're and the one, one. But like Johnny run. he's told you to speak, but you keep holding it in. The church just can't fight, cause it's asleep in the light. How can you be so dead when you've
0: From his 1978 album, No Compromise, that's Keith Green singing Asleep in the Light. As we heard, that song was instrumental in helping Pastor Trent Griffith develop his missional eyesight. Pastor Trent Griffith will be back in just a moment to pray. If you've been searching for a church that is first vertically oriented and then missionally minded, Harvest Bible Chapel might be that church for you. Would you like to visit one of our upcoming worship services? If so, you can learn more about Harvest by going online to harvestgranger.org and clicking where it says worship with us. There's helpful information about where and when we meet, and what to do if you're bringing children. Again, the website is harvestgranger.org. Next week, we'll hear about a wealthy woman with an open heart. Pastor Trent explains that open eyes look for open hearts as we explore the life of a New Testament seller of purple from Thyatira, Greece, a woman named Lydia. Now to close our time, here's Pastor Trent.
1: Father, I pray that you would give us the courage Boldness, the love the compassion to speak to people who need our help we have been so well fed the more that we've been exposed to the greater our responsibility to freely distribute that which you have so generously given to us to raise up people in this church that could help us to execute that vision Jesus name Amen
0: Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger Visit us online at harvestgranger.org